Hola Tom, hola Steve, tengan un excelente programa, ustedes siempre me hacen reír, vale, están locos. Welcome everybody to Masters of Profundication, I'm Tom Witham. I'm Steve Files. And today is, nope, sorry, today is the day. First day yesterday, of the rest of your life. Yesterday was a full moon. I'll show you a full moon. I, oh, wait, no, sorry. And no, it was a harvest moon. moon. That was yesterday? I don't know. I totally completely made that up. No, you're right, because I, I read about it. There, there was a harvest moon. And I was like, oh, it's supposed to be freaky and weird, Halloween-y, and I totally forgot to look at it. What were you for Halloween when you were growing up? Pirate. Did we talk that, about this already? I don't know. Maybe. I remember distinctly my favorite costume being a pirate, because I have weird foot issues so i sympathized with like the peg leg type of thing <laughs> yes oh uh, sympathy for the peg-legged pirates right yeah you know i was long john silver before i knew what the hell long john silver was it was great did you wear an eye patch oh yeah i had the eye patch i had a like a marker to draw like a beard on and stuff and a little skull and crossbones head there's a picture of me and my brother somewhere we're both pirates because whatever i did my brother had a copy it just you know that's just the way it was yeah i was the incredible hulk four years in a row did you have big giant fists or was it just green no i just i painted myself green okay with like you know the makeup store green or whatever and then i had a a wow oh yeah i was the incredible hulk was my jam i was the tv show the incredible hulk was absolutely (laughs) the best thing in the entire world i did like that show that was a cool show and uh i had a bunch of the comics and uh I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it was about the Incredible Hulk that was so appealing to me. Uh, you know, it was basically a mindless dope that could break things when he was in that form. But otherwise, he was a genius. It's just pure rage. It all, it all comes down to the line. You don't like me when I'm angry. It's it's wish fulfillment. Like, oh man, man, it, for all those times that somebody messed with me, they don't even know. They don't know what I could do to them. You know, I could right. destroy them. <laughs> really, but you know, if you were the Hulk, if you you know the wish fulfillment part, yeah. And, and then it's a, I'm not the only one that wants to, you know, take people that mildly annoy me and smash their faces to a pulp. That's but that's not what he right? did. Like in the TV show, he that's not what he was about. Like he was all about bending guns and like jumping long distances. I don't think that he was. I don't know. I got to go rewatch some of those episodes. Well, I just remember he, he drifts into town, tries to own, mind his own business. Somebody, some town bullies fuck with him. He turns green and fucks them up. Yep, and then he's like, well, shit, I've ripped my pants, I've got to go somewhere else. Then he walks away out dejected with the sad Hulk music. Yeah, the, that was like every episode, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Every episode ended with him walking out of town with ripped pants, looking over his shoulder. <laughs> now, now, this just reminded me, though, they had a the Incredible Hulk like TV movie, and in that movie, there was a guest star, another Marvel character. Do you remember who it was? It had to have been Spider-Man. It was Thor. Was it? Yeah. Thor appeared in the in at least I don't know if there there might have been more than one, but at least one of the TV Hulk movies. I think they did like a movie to wrap things up, and the character Thor appeared. Now, what's coming out next month? Uh, Ragnarok, which is like basically co-starring the Hulk. Yeah, I like the line. It's I can't say it's ruining it for me, but the director that did it is totally and completely a comedian. Like this, Mm-mm. this Thor movie is going to be funny. Yeah, I saw an interview. Where he's like he talks about how the. It's comedy. Like, if there's comedy aspect. It is. Well, I mean, Thor, 
I think we talked about this before too, but Thor is definitely not the same Thor you meet in the first Thor movie. Which was a bad movie. Like I'll say it straight up. The first Thor movie was not that good. Yeah. Well, this one, you can definitely catch the style of the director. He did uh, What what We Do in the Dark. Have you seen that mm-hmm. yet? No, but I remember you yeah, it's, presenting it to me. The it's, a mo- it's a mockumentary, and it's, it's very funny. But yeah, I was the Incredible Hulk for four years for Halloween. And then I was a punk rocker. That was, I'm telling you right now, mid-80s, that was all the rage. Oh, punk yeah. Rock. Yeah, like ripped t-shirts and like like mohawked, faux-hawked hair <laughs> that was painted pink you know like neon colors like like neon green and neon pink yeah. and you know like now this wasn't punk rock per se but i remember remember the movie dream a little dream that was the hames right uh, the the Corys, yeah. cory Haim, cory feldman yeah there was a scene at the beginning where they're getting re- like school starting so they get ready for the first day of school and they throw on just pure mid-80 chic the clothing what, what they had to do with the I don't know what the belts and the bangles and the whatever the fuck they were doing with the hair, the, the hair, the moose. Me and my friends watched that and we salivated, wishing we could be that cool, <laughs> wishing we could get away because we all went to private church schools with pretty strict dress codes. There's right. no way in the planet we could get away with dressing any, anything, anything remotely like that. But we all like this is way this is what you would do. This is what. I can it's see you. Cool. I can see you now as an adult standing in front of the mirror trying to put moose on your scalp. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Where are you going to go with that?" Because <laughs> there's a problem. Bald joke. Ah, damn it! Oh, don't I'll worry. Tell you I'm... what, man. If, if they if they find the cure for baldness, I'm going to be the first in line. I will kill a motherfucker. I would be oh, the biggest hippie you ever saw if I could if they could cure baldness. Well, but you're not. You're not bald like bald enough. I mean, you're you're bald for the most part by choice. Yeah, well, yeah. There's a point because I've seen like, you grow your hair. Yeah, but it's all thin. It's no good. It's not like it was. I used to have hair down to my chin, which is not you know the hippiest of hippie, but that was cool. I could put it in my mouth. <laughs> Whatever that means, I don't know. Whatever that signifies. That's what she said. That's right. I put it in some reason. Um. Yeah. The Hulk and a punk rocker. Those. Oh, I was Superman <laughs> for a year. I went. I was a ghost. I was a ghost one year. So were you a ghost? Like straight up, put the sheet over your head, and then oh yeah, yeah. Files. Well, it was funny because we had this tradition every year. Me and brother, my brother would we would not go trick or treating in our own neighborhood because that was a that was a no no. You don't shit where you eat. Well, you don't trick or treat in my neighborhood. Just we'll just say that. Oh, but, what, uh, bad neighborhood. Not the greatest neighborhood. Not the greatest neighborhood to walk around at night. Yeah, it wasn't even on Halloween. Like yeah, that. No. Like I, I want to say that. You know, it pro- looking back on it, it probably would have been okay. But my parents were a little, little protective, a little paranoid, which is understandable. So we went to my grandpa, my grandpa and grandma's neighborhood, nice neighborhood. And we would go oh. up and down the streets there. But every year we would try to fool them to see if they could not recognize their own grandchildren, basically. <laughs> well, if you put a sheet over your head. Well, it, and it didn't work because their dog gave it away every time. Their dog Those flipped dogs. out for us and only us, not for anybody else. When we mm-hmm. came to the door, the dog would lose its crap. So, uh, wow. I just censored myself by saying crap because I'm thinking of my parents. <laughs> I tried uh, not to swear in front of my parents. And because of that, I said crap instead of losing shit. Wow, weird. Anyways, yeah. So their little dog Wiggles would flip his shit because we came to the door. And they were always like, oh, Steve and Jared, that's great. Come on in. And we're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, my, there weren't enough people in my town growing up to be worried about the neighborhoods. I mean, there were always scores of kids out throwing eggs and like every single year there'd be a group of teens downtown that were causing trouble. But 
I'm not talking about real trouble. I'm talking about hooting and hollering at cars and throwing eggs <laughs> and, you know, the type of stuff that nobody's ever worried about. It wasn't like straight up robbing people and that kind of shit. Yeah, we, I'm from the Detroit area. You ever watch the movie The Crow? Oh, yes. I That's think all I've about Devil's Night. And that was a real motherfucking thing where the night before Halloween, shit went down. Arson, vandalism, like crime. It's basically like the purge. Crime. Yeah, yeah. The night before Halloween, you didn't go out. Not not if you're close to Detroit, because shit was happening, man. It was not good. <sighs> like like yeah, the crows maybe a little stylized, but yeah, the arsons, the just random fights, the vandalization, all that stuff was that was real. There's always I remember distinctly throughout my youth, every year there's a campaign: stop Devil's Night, just stop Devil's Night. They try to call it Angels Night for a while. Ooh. Now, I'm curious. I haven't talked to anybody. I don't know if that's still a thing. Like, I want to say it might have disappeared by now. Like, it might have finally kind of gone away. Or it's just like every other day, so nobody notices. I don't know. But Well, um, not to change subjects completely, but I, I had to talk about this before it leaves my brain. Because you know how that works. Yes, I do. <laughs> I yes, watched I a, really a TV trailer today for a show that's coming on Hulu that makes me want to go get Hulu again. Oh. Uh-huh. Have I piqued your curiosity? See, now I'm just thinking how much sex is involved because... I didn't... No sex, really. Oh. oh. I know. Uh, it's called Future Man. <laughs> Sounds and great. It Does is cape? a sci-fi comedy that is... Let me see. I think that they're jumping the gun on Ready Player One. Oh, wow. And it takes a little bit from of, of the steam out of my TV idea, the TV show that I'm currently writing. Oh, it really rips that off. <laughs> Don't you fucking hate that? Yep. Let me let me just give you the rundown from the trailer. It's called Future Man, and it's Future about a, it's about a guy who's playing a video game mm-hmm. like on his Xbox, and there's this new video that video game that comes out, and he beats it, and he's the only person that's ever beat it. All of a sudden, a portal opens, and it's people from the future, and they sent a video game to the past <laughs> to train people how to fight future you know enemies and they come back and they say you're the only one that's ever beat this you need to come to the future and help us defeat this enemy and you know what the guy says does he say something about last starfighter because otherwise yes. i've got to yes. my shit. he goes uh this is the last starfighter i've seen how this goes <laughs> okay good and because holy it, shit <laughs> it doesn't end with the last starfighter it references almost every 80s movie there's a there's Terminator references, there's RoboCop references, like straight up, not just references, like intentional Rip off. ripoffs yeah. to prove. I don't know if they're proving a point, but they're definitely capitalizing on that. It is totally and completely a nostalgic, like, come and get it. Everything is up for grabs. Everything that you loved about the 80s cinema, we're going to shove down your throat with this new show. And it looks funny as shit. It absolutely looks hilarious and good sci-fi, and it yeah. makes fun of itself, and it has stuff from the '80s. So I'm in. You know, that's that does sound pretty good. Because at first I was like, okay, this, is this somebody so exact sitting in a room somewhere? Said, you know, I'm pretty sure nobody remembers Last Starfighter. Let's totally do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, like there's a line. There's a line that says, yeah, okay, that's good. This is the Last Starfighter, and then if you can aware of yourself and you actually own it then i can be behind that it is it, it definitely is aware of itself <laughs> being the way it is so i like how you said that that's totally ready player one though that's anticipating it is that. 
it, it is anticipating Ready Player One. There's a lot of revisiting the past, um, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff like well, that. So, eighties nostalgia's now come into its own. Like it's biz- big business now. I think. Yeah, and for good reason. There's so much shit from the eighties that was cool. Like, yeah. so much of it was. Uh, I want to say this existed before the eighties, but I want to say that it really blew up in the eighties. Something that's big right now are those uh, like blind blind bags and stuff like that. You can go. You can go to the store and buy stuff for your kids that you don't know what it is. It just belongs to a set. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, like, remember the muscle men used to... Yeah, I was just going to say the bags of muscle men and all that stuff. Bags of muscle, you know, like garbage pill kids and, like, those types of things that I remember from the 80s being huge. Mm -hmm. And they're big again. And I don't know if that's a symptom of the fact that they were cool in the 80s and now that people that are adults are enjoying that. Who knows? Maybe they've been cool all along. But YouTube videos are really blowing that industry up because there are videos upon videos upon videos of people filming themselves opening these boxes in these yeah. bags with mystery items in them. My kids will sit there and watch an hour-long YouTube video of somebody just opening <laughs> blind bags of like Shopkins or you know stuff like that. Stuff it's it's wild, but hmm. it's you know it was like the eighties. So it's stuff like that that's coming back. Um, a movie that kind of tipped the scales a little bit for me before all this Ready Player One and this, this type of stuff was uh, Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> Remember that? Which was yeah, which was kind of a is it was in the same vein because comedies in the eighties could be quote unquote mainstream, but still be like raunchy sex comedies, like lots of boobs, lots of dirty, dirty sex references. Right, and I feel like once the nineties hit, you could not have both like you couldn't have a mainstream comedy and have a lot of sex in it and hot top time machine kind of recapture that again well you know why you couldn't have that stuff the motion picture association of america <laughs> maybe uh we're gonna revisit censorship aren't we well and uh we're gonna we're gonna extend it we're going to examine it further what we didn't get a chance to do last time right because i nearly fell asleep because you're gonna die <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna like flatline on me right there i want everybody to know that listened last week i made it upstairs fine i was okay i did instantly crash <laughs> but i made it and feedback from our fans they did not like the fact that it was a short episode <laughs> that was that our shortest episode it was like Almost exactly an hour, I think. Yeah, it was just around an hour. And when I was editing it, and I was crunching the silence out of it, so (laughs) I saw it go from like an hour and 18 minutes to like 58 minutes. Like, God damn. (laughs) But that's cool, because I have since done more homework and discovered a lot. So today we're going to be talking about, instead of censorship in general, we're talking about the rating systems of different media in particular, how it came about, stuff like that, how it works. Right. But... uh. I've discovered much more than I knew at all. Like some of the things I discovered, we, you, well, I say we, but really it was you that talked about that. And well, I think in our Hollywood history episode, like the movie, how movies are yeah, made. Yeah, the MPAA and the, yeah. Um, there, there was a really good line. I don't know if I said it last week or uh, the, the guy that was kind of like, he was one of the people leading the charge. Valentin, I think was his name. Valenti, he had a, yeah. Was it Valenti? Right. Um, he had a really good quote. And I say it was really good. I mean, it was thought out. I, I might not agree with it, but it really offered a, a good perspective into um, into the people that wanted civility and they wanted they didn't want entertainment to brainwash people into being bad people. Um, I, I I need to go look it up so I don't really butcher it too much. But mm-hmm. 
it was essentially like a good movie is not going to suffer from a bad rating, but a bad rated movie will suffer. Ah, I've already fucked it up. Yeah. I'm going to look it up. Go okay. ahead. Well, I just, we, we want to talk about all the rating systems, but speaking personally, I, I got kind of sucked into the MPAA, the movie rating system. What has become today, the ratings that we know, G, PG, PG-13, R, NC-17. Um, it's technically X, although X has become its own kind of thing in, in the years since it was introduced. But, uh, you know, its own kind of thing. Bow chicka, wow, wow. Anyways, Brown we all know what X is. That's right. I'm sure there's some movies that are rated X that have a lot to do with cows and chickens. They're, they're <laughs> the ones that don't make the theater so much. Doesn't mean they're not hot. hot <laughs> but chicken. yeah, hot chicken. But there was, um, in the early 1920s, 1922, Hollywood got together. And this is why we railed against censorship last week. But in its early stages, I get why the industry started self-regulating, self-censoring, self-rating itself. Because they were hobbled by a lack of coherent rating system in the beginning. Uh, like what I found said something about when it started, there was no rating system. So every state and or municipality, like even just to the city level, had boards of people that would rate and censor movies that came their way. And it was turning off moviegoers because they were coming in and like a studio would release a film, this local board would get it and before they could put it in their own theaters they would chop it up and you know to censor it because of the content they thought was good or not good and people would come and watch it and be completely confused have no idea because they would screw up the narrative they would screw up what the message was supposed to be and they're like uh, what the hell was it they would just stop going to movies like in the early years of movies audiences were getting turned off because there was no consistent way to watch them so the industry got together to say okay we're going to make a standard and we're going to spell it out what this means, who the audience is for, what it's useful for, what we're not going to put in it so people don't have to worry. They can go in knowing that they're not going to see this, this, and this, and this. So I get it. I get why they did it. But it became ridiculous. Well, I'll tell you one of the things that led to the real ridiculousness was um, the movie producers actually liked the censorship. The yeah. the, the writers, um, from what I was kind of watching, um, they may not have adopted it early they may have resisted it in one way or another but when they got the crackdown and were told you know this is the good guy of the movie mm-hmm. or or basically the the people that wanted to censor the ratings the, the the people that wanted to rate these movies they they swooped in and they said you can't show bad things happening happening to a good guy more specifically bad guys can't do things without repercussions. Um, mm-hmm. There was there was a formula that the ratings people provided for movie studios that they had to follow. You couldn't show adultery. You couldn't show um, like smoking and drinking without consequences. There were certain, there was a formula that they shoved down Hollywood's throat. And I, I say Hollywood, I don't, I don't typically like to use Hollywood as a catch-all for everybody that's in that business. But at the time, Hollywood was Hollywood. And they were getting this censorship shoved down their throats. And the writers actually liked it because it made writing stories easy. Yeah, they didn't have to worry about being too creative because they didn't be cookie. Exactly. It was everything was cookie cutter and it made writing easy. So they actually they adopted it, you know, late. But when they adopted it, they went full, you know, gusto. So the Hayes Code, I think, is what it became known as named after the first guy that became the head of the. MPAA. It wasn't called the MPAA, but 
it wasn't the MPA then, but it is the MPPDA. Yeah. It, to be perfectly honest, I watched like a 20 minute video on this entire process and through the years from inception until now, the MPAA and all of its forms are nothing but acron- acronyms. Like they, yeah, they just alphabet soup. Yeah. Alphabet soup. I mean, you could, you, for, for all intents and purposes, the MPAA was all these things. So if you <laughs> say the MPAA now, I, I'm assuming that you're talking about whatever year you're talking about, whatever form it was in. Well, the, what I discovered here, the first president was Will Hayes. He developed what he called the list of don'ts and be careful. So that's what you were talking about, all these things. But at first, they were kind of ignored. And then later on, they became what the MPAA set of stone. Like the don'ts were no profanity. And that includes you could not say the word God, Lord, Jesus, or Christ unless it was respectful, like just as a reference to that thing. You couldn't use it as a swear word. Couldn't say hell, damn, God, like God, like G-A-W-D, it says. <laughs> so, you know, if you if you had an accent, you were fucked. Uh, no licentious or suggestive nudity, even in fact, or silhouette. No illicit traffic and drugs. No sex perversion. No white slavery. And no miscegenation, which is relationships between white and black race. Uh, no VD. Yeah, no children's sex organs. And I guess there was an old movie that completely flouted that. Sort of like a 12-year-old naked. That was all kinds of controversial for good reason. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, some of this, like you get, like, you know, you can't show rape. You can't. And then there's like a bunch of, those were the don'ts and those be carefuls, which was if you're going to have it, you know, tiptoe around stuff. First night, uh, first night scenes, which I guess is like, you know, wedding night type of thing. Sedition mm-hmm. was, you can't, you know, don't badmouth the government, you know, murder. There's, I guess there's something called the infamous grapefruit scene in a movie called uh, Public Public Enemy. I'm trying to find it here. Yeah, the uh, James Cagney hits May Clark in the face with a grapefruit. And at the time, <laughs> that was considered, oh, my God, that's way too violent. That's over the top. That's, you know, that's misogynistic wife beating type of thing. Yep. He's, he's, I watched on YouTube. He just smacks her in the face with a grapefruit. And that was, boom, that, that, that prompted all kinds of uh, MPAA rating stuff. So, I mean, this was, this was a different time. This was almost mind-bogglingly different time that we lived in. Yeah. But uh, that was... Um, that was the proto. That was the beginning. Stuff like monster movie stuff was not. And this goes a little bit into like to diverge a second. But I've mentioned this before. The Comics Code Authority, where the comic book industry got together and self-regulated. And they had all kinds of things about what you can and can't show. And they, they were all like, uh, I found the list of Comics Code Authority, which was great. Because some of the things were ridiculous. You could not have the word horror or terror in the title. You could not have any scenes of horror or bloodshed or gruesomeness. Uh, you cannot have anything about vampires or werewolf or cannibalism or werewolf. Let's, let's say vampires and vampirism. Distinction. I don't know what the difference is. Zombies or Walking Dead. Werewolves or werewolfism. I'm like, what's, why, what's the distinction here? I don't get what this is. This is crazy. Like, they just really wanted to cover their asses because they really didn't want. Because I, I mentioned this before. Horror comics were king of the hill there. Right. East comics was the, uh, they were beating the pants off of, uh, the superhero comics, and they, they just put this in there to completely shut them down. Werewolfism. Werewolfism. It's like the Church of Werewolf. It's, it's you know, I, I worship the werewolf, and you can't have that. <laughs> oh, it's I love that. The political philosophy of changing during the full moon. I, right. I think that's what werewolfism is. Yeah. I'm a believer. But one of the things they, <laughs> for a comic book code authority, one of the things they said you should not do, cannot do, females shall be drawn realistically 
without exaggeration of any physical qualities. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that's something comic books aren't known for. No, no, their females are always yeah <laughs> realistic. <laughs> Silly. Uh, that's great. And no suggested postures. So, yeah, some of these were pretty much thrown out the window right off the bat. But, I mean, it's the same thing. It's a self-regulating industry because this is what a lot of people don't I, – I just – you know it, but you don't know it. Like, if you, I guess if you start to think about it, it's there, but – there's no legal precedent. There's nothing about the government that says this can and can't happen. Like the NPAA right. ratings, it's not government mandated. Not yeah. And as far as I know, there's nothing stopping a movie studio from putting something out unrated. I mean, yeah. they they can if put stuff out. You can you can have the worst depictions of sex and violence and torture, and as long as you don't have actual snuff, you want if you want to self distribute, you can. No, there's nothing governmental. Right. Like there has been in the past, like we talked about uh, Cannibal Holocaust was banned in countries and still banned in some countries. Right. Reaction to a particular movie. There's nothing about a law being like they had to get together and make a legislation about that movie. Right. It it did not break a law until they retroactively made a law about it. Well, um, when did the what we have? I I know that they've added like PG-13 and NC-17, but our modern structure for movies, G, PG, mm. um, R, when did that start? What year was that? Uh, let's see if I can find I guess I had that somewhere. Uh, I, one thing see. I do know, I, I do know what the first PG-13 movie was. Yeah, yeah, I came across that. You know, I had that somewhere and I totally forgot. I don't have that up anymore. Well, for the longest time, I guess I'll, I'll get to the, what I was, the point I was trying to make was for the longest time, w- the MPAA... It was almost a, a stamp of approval for mm-hmm. movies to submit their uh, their art, their film to the MPAA, and they would they would give it a rating based on certain criteria that is apparently kept secret. Yes, I got something to say about that too. But yeah. yes, but uh, they'd submit the movie, and then it would be given a, a rating of G, PG, mm-hmm. rated R, and at the time there was X, X rated, and then when. Uh, the makers of pornography got a hold of the X. They thought X is not. We we really want to sell our film as being more extreme than the the last one. So they came out with their own rating and mm-hmm. called it Triple X. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, who wants to go see a rated X movie when you can go re- watch a Triple <laughs> X movie? The Triple yeah, X movie. If you had side by side. You're gonna pick the Triple X one. Oh hell yeah! Every time you go, you can look at the X and say. Man, I might get a boner. You go look at the Triple X and say, I'm going to walk out of this theater sticky. <laughs> and you know what? You probably were going to walk out of that theater sticky anyway. Well, you know, you don't plan on it, though. Not with just the X. <laughs> with, the, with, with the Triple X, it's like the first five worlds will get wet type of deal, you know? Oh, wait. You went to Pervert Corner. I was talking about, like, spilled <gasps> soda on the floor. Yeah, you were. <laughs> uh, you trying to backpedal and leave me in the lurch. <laughs> Perf Corner. <laughs> Well, do you remember uh, what the first X-rated movie was? Uh, I think it was Deep Throat. Uh, no, it was... Man, I don't know if that was even rated. I'm not sure. But it was Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy, okay. Because... And that's a movie that they have since when they... Because the ratings have shifted the categories and the descriptions of what's in them. That it's like been re-released. Not cut or anything. Just re-rated as R in the years since. But at the time, it was rated X because X didn't mean porn. X, X meant meant for adults. Right. And, uh, I mean, that's a movie that won Oscars. I mean, Clockwork Orange was the second movie that was rated X. And it didn't win Oscars, I don't think, but it was nominated. You know, these were mainstream praised 
you know, lot of movies. Critically movies. Right. <clears throat> and they were rated X. Yeah. And then, like you said, the porn industry got a hold of X, and it just became synonymous with pornography. X-Men right. porn. Right. And then they, they went on to triple X, because who doesn't like a good triple X? So what's a, what's the next step beyond triple X? Quadruple X? Unrated. I don't know, because personally speaking, if I see a movie that's unrated, I think it's more mainstream, but probably has a lot more sex than you would see in a the theater. Like, I, if I'd see triple X, I'm thinking full penetration, shaky cam, you know, well, video. I, I think porn. X was replaced by NC-17, right? Yeah, the, the basic X, because in 1990, NC-17 came out. Yeah. And I remember, oh, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of the movie. The first NC-17 movie? Yeah, that I remember. Um because I want to say that it there was a movie. Uh, it's, it's the one with the two chicks. Uh, I actually didn't see it. I think it was, I think Kevin Bacon was in it. Uh, Wild Things. Wild Things. That was the name of it. Yeah. I think NC seventeen. I I think there was an NC seventeen version and a rated R version. Because mm. I saw that. It's actually a pretty good movie. Besides, I remember they pulled a girl's tooth out. Something I don't remember. I I actually didn't see. It. No, it's actually it's it's worth watching. I mean, it has um. Oh God, what's her name? Denise Richards getting all kinds of naked, a bunch of sex scenes. But even beyond that, the plot's actually pretty good. There's twists, and then there's twists beyond twists, and there's twists beyond twists beyond twists. Like mm-hmm. it keeps going like deeper layers, and it's actually so. It honestly, it's actually a pretty good movie. They it was a modern movie when, and then the twist at the end is they were actually in like an 18th century village. That's right, and then the village was beset by aliens that hated water. Dear but God, it's a, but it's okay because they're all dead anyways, so it's fine. <laughs> That was the final twist, as they were all yes. dead all along. <laughs> They're dead all along. They're dead superheroes all along. Okay, the first PG-13 movie was Red Dawn. Right. Do you remember the first PG-13 movie you saw in the theater? Because I remember mine. Honestly, no, because I, I, I really didn't pay that hard attention to the ratings at the time. Not really. I just I, When I was younger, going to see movies, I just if this is a movie I want to see, I'll go see it. Because I was getting into R-rated movies when I was 16 all the goddamn time. Like nobody, I don't know. I don't know if it's my area, whatever the deal was. I was just me and my friend would go because my friend could drive. Well, actually, shit, I was getting in when I was like fifteen because he could drive and I couldn't, so he would drive and we would get in. Nobody carded us. Nobody said, "Oh, I don't know." Fun fact: I was carded for an R-rated movie when I was twenty-three. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was Scream Three, and I remember walking up, getting a ticket, and the clerk looked at me. So she's like, "I don't know, you seventeen? She actually looked at her fellow clerk next to her. Does he look 17 to you? I'm like, do you need me to show you my license? She's like, no, you're probably okay. I'm like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? Uh, I believe first PG-13 movie I saw in the theater was Iron Eagle. Oh, yeah. Which you just watched again recently, right? And I did. Didn't quite hold it. up. Well, it, it's it's a good movie, but it's definitely a romp. It's it's dumb. Yeah. You know what I oh, mean? Sure, like, sure. One of those totally suspend disbelief or else this is going to be a ruined movie for you the thing about red dawn i came across this was um it's actually in the guinness book of world records it was the most violent movie ever made the year it was released by when it was released really it was the national coalition of television violence counted 134 acts of violence in an hour so 2.23 per minute it was in the guinness book of world records as the most violent movie ever made at the time wow and then along so, came Punisher Warzone. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but uh oh my god, yeah, exactly. But that like I found a list of movies that were misrated. This is like, yeah, this is a PG thirteen that actually probably should have been rated R. Like it was okay. actually totally misrated. What's that site you went to that found out found that? I need to know this data. Uh well, it's on a one of these kind of clickbaity sites called Flavor Wire. 
oh. flavorwater.com. Yeah. But it's it's got the it quotes the source there. It says uh, Gizmo, uh, the National Coalition of Television Violence. But who studied it? And what is it? The National Coalition of Television Violence is the organization that counted. And 134 acts of violence in an hour, two two point twenty three per minute. But yeah. But do you know why the uh, PG thirteen rating became a thing? Like who was responsible for it? Um, I'm sure I did last week when I watched the video, but I have not commit that to memory. It was uh, Steven Spielberg. Oh yes. Uh, he. There were three movies that he put out, or there was a movie that he put out that parents complained about that it was two movies. Yeah. Yeah. Was one of them E.T. No, two two PG movies. Was uh, Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones. That's right, yeah. And Gremlins. Yeah. And seriously, looking back at it, Temple of Doom had hearts being ripped out, had, I mean, besides the violence, it had depictions of slavery and gross out scenes with the bugs and the monkey brains and all that stuff. Like, you're like, okay, like with the sensibilities we have today, like, wow, that was PG movie. And yeah. he's like, because, because, and then Gremlins was a horror comedy, but it was horror and it had death. And monsters and all kinds of stuff. So you're like, yeah, I see. Like, like parents came out of the woodwork saying, "What the fuck? Like, this isn't the PG we know." And so they developed a PG-13 rating just in time for Red Dawn, the most violent movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to get in on this whole national coalition on TV violence. I this is right in my. I want to read everything about them because mm. it's awesome. I bet they're all a bunch of fucking. Oh my god! Stick up the ass. Yep, fuddy duddies. Oh, I don't think I don't think they have a website. I don't think they have an actual landing spot that you could go. Maybe they're not a thing. Uh, it, it seems to me that they'd be something that would be still a thing, but they they get too much hate mail, so they <laughs> they they do all their business out of an RV. Go kill the- yourself, motherfucker. <laughs> Well, this is the funny thing about the rating system, though, because some of these ratings became the kiss of death. Like the NC seventeen became the kiss of death for because. Because of the self-regulating industry, this is one of the, the criticisms of the MPAA, is it's that it's self-serving. That's a way to block out independent filmmakers and stuff like that. Because if you get an NC-17 rating, a lot of venues won't let you display it. Like Walmart, they, will yep. not, they won't display it. And a lot of places won't let you advertise. They will not let you put a trailer for your movie up if it's NC-17. There's a, there's a documentary that came out called um, This Film Is Not Yet Rated that tries to break the, in a delicious bit of irony, I guess you call it, itself, the documentary itself was rated NC-17. Like <laughs> almost almost a uh, go fuck yourself, because the whole thing was about trying to break the mystique around the MPAA. Like, they hired private detectives to hunt down the members of the MPAA, the people that are in charge of figuring out these ratings. And these people are insiders, studio execs. They have two clergy members on the board, on the... Uh, on the um, Appeals board. So if you get a, if you get a rating you don't want, you can try to appeal it. Yeah. And two two cl- a, a Catholic and a Protestant are on the appeals board mm-hmm. because just because you have to have that apparently. Right. But they keep touting like the MPAA is full of members that have children between the ages of five and seventeen. That's what they keep touting. So like the people trust them when they actually hunt them down. They're like, nah, these some of these people don't have kids. Some of these people have completely grown children. They're just <laughs> studio insiders that are manipulating anonymous and they are they're not a board they don't they don't get together and discuss it and debate it they all just put their two cents in and come up with the rating it's so thoroughly arbitrary about personal taste and the name of the documentary is this film is not yet rated this film is not yet rated it's yeah, on gotta... youtube i found it like you can just watch it it's a little it's one of those things where they try to 
get around copyright, so they changed the format. So it's like a little zoomed in. It's not quite. But if you want to just watch it, it's there. I I watched a few minutes of it. The interview with different people like uh, Matt Stone and Kevin Smith and Roger Waters. You have different people that filmmakers that are like kind of more indie filmmakers. Like uh, Matt Stone talks about uh, when they made Orgasmo, him and Trey Parker. I love that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie, but it was NC-17. So they had to, they wanted to appeal it. They wanted to come back and say, what do I do? And they couldn't come back with a, they couldn't say, okay, you do this, this, and this, and we'll make it R. They're like, well, recut it and we'll give it another shot. But then years later, they made another, they made the South Park movie and they, they completely had a list of exactly why it was rated NC-17. Yeah. And uh, Team America, World Police, same thing. No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. It was Team America that yeah. they did that on. And they had a problem and, with the puppet sex scene. Yeah. And that's it. That's, <laughs> and that's, this is always the complaint about this is that sex is worse than violence for them. Like they'll let any violence, like one of the examples of misrated movies I saw was World War Z, which no sex whatsoever, but you know, a shit ton of violence. But since it's completely sexless, PG-13. And that's, that's America for you. We're fine with the violence. We don't give a shit, but you better not show me a nipple. God help you if you show me a freaking nipple because that would be the death of the union, you know, that societal collapse. Yeah. I like it's one of my favorite lines from that movie Euro Trip, which was a you know decent comedy. Was he's in Europe when they're when they're trying to get a ride and she's flashing the, and nobody's stopping. It's like, come on, we're in Europe. They sell they use lesbians to sell orange juice here. <laughs> they don't give a shit. That's <laughs> funny. yeah, that's the rating system is all over the place. In the- well, let's switch gears a little bit. What do you know about uh the PMRC? I do not know anything of things. The Parent nope, Music Resource Center. Oh, okay, the Parental Advisory thing. Yes, the American Committee, formed in 1985, with the stated goal of increasing parental control over the access of children to music deemed to have violent, drug-related, or sexual themes via labeling albums with parental advisory stickers. I did stumble across this. This is the Tipper Gore thing, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Had, um, they had a list of uh, albums called the Filthy Fifteen. <laughs> they were the albums that were like the worst of the worst. And I tell you what, if I am a rock band and I wanted to sell albums, I would try desperately to get on the Filthy 15 list. Oh my God. Yeah. What I saw was that slapping the parental advisory sticker probably actually increased of record sales. Oh yeah. But let me, <laughs> Def Leppard, High and Dry. That was one <laughs> of the Filthy 15. Cindy Lauper, <laughs> Shebop. Filthy 15, uh, you know, you'd expect like Black Sabbath and ACDC, Motley Crue, Judas Priest. You know, you'd expect those. But Prince, Sheena Easton, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's but, that's nuts. I mean, what yeah. the hell did Sheena Easton say that was filthy? Uh, that doesn't Sex. make any sense. The name of the song was Sugar Walls. Yeah, you know what the song Sugar Walls is about, right? When you're in like a uh, gingerbread house and there's a rich <laughs> trying yeah, to eat Yeah, that's, that's what <laughs> they want you to think about. But sugar walls are the inside of a vagina. What? No. Vagina. That seems kind of gritty and painful. I don't know. Why would you, you know? No, you don't put sugar. It's, oh, it's a metaphor. What? I don't <laughs> like metaphors. I like my literal things literal, you know? Okay. Well, she wasn't going to name the song Vulva. <laughs> I just picture Sheena Easton with a bag of sugar on her shelf at all times. You just, you just you know, for when things go down. You just missed an opportunity for a Seinfeld reference. Dolores! Uh, <laughs> Mulva? Mulva? <laughs> uh, uh, it rhymes. It rhymes. with What did they say? It rhymes it with rhymes a woman. The, with a part of the female genitalia. Yeah. Mulva? Mulva? <laughs> Dolores! Uh, uh, yes. So 
these are the things that belonged on the Filthy 15. This is what landed these people on the Filthy 15. Sex and masturbation. Sex, sex, Mm -hmm. sex. Violence and language. Sex, violence, sex. Sex language. Drug and alcohol use. Occult. Drug and alcohol use. Sex, occult, and sex and masturbation. Those were the reasons why those bands got on the Filthy 15. Nice. Well, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't talk about that. No. See, I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page about this. Yeah. And this is making me laugh because they're, during the initial hearings, you know, to establish this whole system, uh, notable musicians testified in opposition to the PMRC uh, warning label system. Yeah. Example, D. Snyder. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Frank Zappa, I guess. Why John not? Denver. <laughs> John Denver's like, fuck this shit. that's right if i want to sing about country roads i'll sing about country roads if i want to talk about titties i'll sing about titties (laughs) you know sunshine on my shoulders is about uh, sunshine on my shoulders is about your gay lover having his hands on your shoulders from behind (laughs) Mm, sunshine i love you so much (laughs) oh god but i'm just that makes me laugh but okay so what was the first album to have the parental advisory explicit content black and white sticker. Do you? Uh, the only it? one I remember ever seeing it on was Beastie Boys. Licensed I'm sure it, I mean, it, it took off. It had it on everything. But, uh, you know, coincidentally enough, banned in the USA by Two Live Crew. Oh, well, yeah. Sticker. I mean, obviously Two Live Crew would be on the banned list. Yeah, yeah. But I, I remember being a kid and seeing, because they talk about this, there was a lot of a lot of bands put out the regular version, then an edited version. Yep. I was going to, see, the big the big record store where I live was called Harmony House. Ooh. So I was going to Harmony House to pick up a CD or, or a cassette, and I had the parental advisory version next to the edited version. I was not going to buy the edited version. Yeah, why would you? That would be a why waste would, of money and time. that big a nerd? Although, I think I said it last week. I don't know. I was in a stupor. But Eminem and there's a few other bands that actually the censorship by bleeping out the words, it makes it funny yeah. or it makes it better. Yeah, yeah we, we did talk about because we talked about Arrested Development and the uh, when Buster goes on a swearing tirade and they bleep it out. Yeah. It's, it's better with the bleep. But I think Eminem did a really good job with he didn't just use the tone to beep things out he actually used sound effects mm. and those were actually entertaining i yeah, found that good. entertaining so well weird al would do that sometimes <laughs> when he parodied a song like uh, uh nine snails when he's i want to fuck you like an animal he'd use like a slide whistle or something like that <laughs> i want to you like an animal <laughs> yeah and that makes it better yes it's funny yeah uh, talking about this sticker more about it like people have said like mtv news this guy said uh like you realize he did interviews. Like you realize that young customers actually use that sticker to find, you know, risque music. Yeah. Like if, if if they were looking to be rebels and looking to be like fuck my parents, fuck the world, they would seek out this sticker. Like it actually helped sales putting the sticker on it. Like you talked about, it's like when I was a kid and uh, you know record clerks, record store clerks didn't give a shit. I was uh, who do you say like ten years old and he bought a copy of Large Sex or Sisto Devil Music Volume One from White Zombie. Yeah. The guy didn't give a shit. He's like, yeah, buy it. I don't care. <laughs> it just it, it didn't matter it didn't it was not a thing like all these crusaders this is what gets me these crusaders for purity and decency it's like they actually make their job they make, they're what they're doing is making it worse like they're shooting themselves in the foot if if their actual intention like i guess that they probably live in a fantasy world where they're doing good work but in reality they were they were on a phony baloney committee probably being paid 
you know, there was publicity. They mm-hmm. could stand on a soapbox. They could they could have the high ground. They could do, you know, oh, yeah. they probably slept better at night. You know, there was there's probably a ton of things that were that came out of that, and very little of it had to do with the fact that they were protecting kids from anything. I mean, they must have known they were not morons. They must have known that People- that sticker was going to help sell albums to kids. Well, that's the thing. I I don't. I would almost say that's maybe not true because people that have these moral crusades never ever like you. Like you said, you got the politicians, but then you got the people that are genuinely trying to do what they think is the right thing. But they never sit down and plot out the implications. They never think it through. Like like uh like I not the same category, but prohibition. You know, back in the twenties or whatever, they outlawed the sale of alcohol. Alcohol was illegal in the United States because of the temperance movement and all these people saying, you know, alcohol is breaking up families and causing men to become drunkards, wife beaters, and layabouts and what have you. And alcohol is bad, bad, bad. It's a devil rum. We we don't want it anymore. And they they did not think about the point of if we make it illegal, the world will be a better place. That's all they thought of. Right. But you, if, you, you would have thought that somebody in the room would have been like, not everybody's going to go along with this. <laughs> well, somebody, they could have had, they probably had people tell them they just didn't listen, but somebody should have sat down and said, okay, what are the implications? If we think through what's going to happen? Well, alcohol has been with us as long as we've been us. Like as long as there's been civilization, there's been alcohol. So trying to just make a lot to get rid of overnight, we're just going to make a lot of people's daily activities illegal. So what's that going to mean? Crime's going to flourish. And right. You're- people are going to become entrepreneurs and enterprising types your al capones are going to make it organized and they're going to make a shit ton of money like the reason organized crime became a thing in this country is because of prohibition like right there's logical implications to things that we can predict reasonably well that you but they don't and you want to sit there and slap them it's like why would you never think this through why would you do this i don't know that guess that's a little bit of an aside that's my own soapbox but just if you're gonna go on a crusade think through the implications do the statistics well, yeah like uh I know that this is a little off subject, but it, it kind of struck me when you were talking about like it, the same goes with firearms when the, what they want to do with firearms. If if the, the people that are on the Crusades had their way, they would make firearms illegal tomorrow. Oh, yeah. And all that would do is that would make 100 million people criminals tomorrow. <laughs> you know, people would go to bed and then wake up as a criminal in the morning and you just can't. That's not realistic. That's, that's not. This, yeah, you can't like. Somebody that never owned a gun, doesn't care about guns, doesn't think about guns, and then sees all the sensationalist stuff in the news. And, you know, I'm not I'm not belittling their motivations. You see, like, the Vegas thing, people getting mowed down. You you want to do something about it. But they don't think, they don't, one, they don't look at the numbers. The actual statistics are you're still, you know, swimming pools are more dangerous than guns. Yeah. Cows are more dangerous than guns. Shit like that, you know. Well, maybe not. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I can't remember. But anyways, you know, Manhole automobiles, if, if, if you're worried about deaths, automobiles are way, 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 way more dangerous than guns. Yeah. And so you're one, you're not looking at the statistics Two, like you said, you're not looking at the implications. You're not looking at the fact that because you're somebody that for whom guns is not a thing, you don't see the big deal about making them completely legal tomorrow. It's like, congratulations, you just took a significant portion of this country's population and turned them into criminals. And these are the same people, by and large, that would scream against the war on drugs, in my opinion, rightly so. That's neither here nor there. But these are the same people that would say, well, you can't just take something that people do and make it illegal and then throw them in jail. But that's what they would want to do. Right. Like, everybody has their blind spots. Everybody has their crusades. And you can't, you cannot do that. Like, my, I, I got my own crusade that, you know, if I had a magic lamp and had a genie, I made a wish. I'd be like, oh, yeah, maybe. But I'm not going to get into it. Anyways. Yes. Let's talk about it. 
No, no, no. We're not going to get into it. You open Pandora. You know, can I guess what it is? I know what it sure. is. What is it? Uh, you would make it so uh, anybody that traveled in the left lane on 295, their heads would instantly burst. <laughs> no, that's not what I was thinking of. Mine is a little more dark and profound, but goddamn, you're right. <laughs> if, if you could the, wave your wand and make a If you're not law. actively passing somebody in the left lane, if you're if you're putting along the left lane and the right lane's clear and you you've got thirty seconds. You got thirty seconds before your head explodes, motherfucker. You better get your ass <laughs> over the right lane. Yeah, you better hit the gas and get in the right lane. You know, I'll give you a thirty second window where you might not just realize that nobody's to the right of you right now. You're like, oh shit, I gotta get over. <laughs> but if you're just oh, I like the left lane. Look at this, it's so clear. I could just go along. Oh, I'm looking at my rear mirror and there's like a gigantic line of people waiting to pass me, but they can't because I'm just putzing along and there's that guy up ahead that they would have yep. to whip out. Uh, fuck there you! Goes, there goes their head. Oh, I just got rid of the worst supervillain in the world. <laughs> like, the new Hitler just died. That's yeah. great. Uh, fucking left lane campers. All of them Kill wearing flat-brimmed hats. Flat, they're, they're putzing along the left lane with a flat-brimmed hat and a wife beater. <sighs> I see you rolling, and I hate him. <laughs> oh, okay. So mm. censorship. MPAA. MPAA rating system movies. Oh, one thing I came across that might be something you're interested in is the magical journey that G and PG have taken over the years. Hit and me I mean that almost literally. Because how a magical journey? Yeah, because G used to be general you know, audience. General audiences. It did not necessarily mean just kid movie, but it became now that it's it's starting to change in the in maybe the last five ten years but for the longest time starting in the 80s it was cartoons yeah it was if it was a g movie it was a it was a cartoon and if it was or like not all g movies were cartoons but all cartoons were g movies Mm -hmm. so you had some of these cartoons that were pushing the envelope secret of uh, nim like secret of nim black cauldron uh some of the examples they used um but like different g movies that were that had things like torture and hanging and death um the hunchback of Notre dame has a major character being shot dead on screen, followed by the hanging death of a major villain in Tarzan. Uh, the Black Codron has rotting corpses coming back to life. Different things like this. Um, and then finally, I guess around the 2000s, people are like, okay, this is pushing it a little bit. And they started throwing PG on things. But for the longest time, the industry pushed back on that because if they had a cartoon that was PG, that was death. Like NC-17's death for a regular movie, PG was death for a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Like parents didn't want to get their kids like, well, it's a cartoon, but PG, I can't. But weirdly enough, as a culture, as a society, we all just start trying to all up and decided, oh, PG's not so bad. PG used to mean Indiana Jones, heart ripping out of the chest. Right. And now PG is frozen. You know, PG is ants. PG is stuff like Titan AE or Atlantis. Like, well, these are movies. These are cartoon movies, but they're PG. And we're all cool with that. We're like, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll bring my five-year-old to see that. No problem. Okay. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate just a little bit. Just a, just an itty bitty bit. Okay. Um, I I can understand a rating system that is suggestive because anytime you consume art, it's it's designed to challenge you. It's designed to make you think, even if it's a story that's being told. And if you're a little mind and there's something on screen that you don't have any point of reference to, there should be somebody there to help you understand it. And a parent mm-hmm. is the best person for that. So. I can see a movie, a suggested rating of parental guidance, PG, just a a gentle nudge in one direction saying, listen, this is a complex story. There are themes in it that your child will not understand. If you were there to explain it to them, all is well. 
if they're there to figure it out themselves, the story is not going to have the impact that we want it to because we're trying to tell a story. Right. Like, I understand that. I understand the G, PG. I understand the PG-13 a little bit. I It's still a little bit weird for me, but like then the other movies are restricted. Like, I don't think that it, it's responsible of a movie theater owner to let a seven-year-old in to watch an R-rated movie. I mean, at that stage in the game, if you own a movie theater, you should be able to say, no, you're not going to come in and watch this movie as a seven-year-old. But oh, right. I can't think of one R-rated movie. Well, I take that back. But I don't know at what age I would say R-rated is now okay. I was watching R-rated movies when I was nine years old all day. Right. There was no nothing stopping me from watching an R-rated movie, and I'm I'm a better person because of it. I feel like I can consume entertainment. I don't even I don't even know where I'm going with that, other than then, like things don't things didn't bother me back then. I was yeah the desensitization. Yeah. Yes, I was. I was fascinated by storytelling. I was fascinated by movies. I wanted to see how the clock ticked. I wanted to see what made it work. When I watched a movie that was R-rated that had gore or anything like that, I was just as fascinated with the how mm-hmm. than I, as I was with the watching it on screen. Like If I saw in Poltergeist when the guy rips his face off in the mirror, like I wanted to know how that worked. I <laughs> right. wanted to, from a cinematic standpoint, I was fascinated not only with the story, but I was fascinated with the way they told the story. And I don't know as everybody ever, you know, gets that. I I know certainly I know people that that don't care about how it was made and they they don't care about anything that might be scary or might be off their radar because it's inappropriate, you know. And I I think that's unfortunate because, you know, it's a fascinating industry. Well, this kind of reminds me of like one of the bones of contention I had with the rating system was how once PG-13 became a thing, that seemed to be the death of creativity. Like not the death death, but because of the money grab, because of the monetary aspect of it, so many producers, so many content producers had to change what they put out there to avoid the R because they wanted to cast the widest that possible. So you have examples like uh, World War Z, which is a PG-13. So what could have been a badass zombie flick with real gore, they wanted to mass market. So they, they, you know, they toned it down. They showed zombies, but they didn't show a lot of limb ripping, face tearing, you know, stuff like that. It, with the, I think recently the pushback started with, um, it's got to be Deadpool, where they showed R-rated movies can still make money. Yeah. And so that, I know that yeah. definitely broke a mold. Yeah, now you have raunchy humor, violence, going back into mainstream movies. Like, this was a thing in the 80s. The 90s killed it up until probably the 20-teens. And then now it's coming back again. We're R-rated movies. Like, like as a as a society, we're, we yearn for it. Like, everybody's like, yeah, a horror movie is probably going to be rated R, not necessarily. Or, <laughs> shit, that might be it. Because any action movie in the last 20, for the most part, in the last 20 years, 20, 25 years, almost every action movie is going to be PG-13. Almost... Yeah. Everything coming out that's adult, quote unquote, is actually PG-13. And R became this like shriveled little shell of what it was reserved for really for horror movies or like really adult dramas. That's going to be about like affairs and sex and stuff like that. But if it if it you like you don't like or nudity, if it had nudity, it's going to be R. Like I don't I don't need nudity, but I I need a sensible adult theme. Right. Honest. You need. Yes. Yes. I need it to not be ridiculously watered down. Yeah. And that, I'm glad that that's finally breaking the mold. 
like sci-fi fantasy movies, comic book type movies are now saying we can actually sell this as an R-rated movie. Yeah. And, and make money. So we're going to do that. Logan, Deadpool. I'm I'm sure Deadpool 2, you know, stuff like this is actually starting to come out. And that's good because holy crap, for a long time it's like we we put gloves on for years and we were hobbled by the PG-13 juggernaut and that sucked. PG Oh, and I did not tell you my honorable mention PG-13 movie yet. What? Nuns on the Run. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, I, Nuns on the Run. That had boobs. Oh my god! So Nuns on the Run was Eric Idle and I never remember his name. The guy plays Hagrid in all the Harry Potter movies. Let's just call him Hagrid. Hagrid. So Eric Idle and Hagrid are I don't know gangsters, criminals, something like that, trying to hide out, pretend they're nuns. This is like a late eighties movie comedy. Mm-hmm. They hide the con. They, they dress up as women, dress dress up as nuns, hide in the convent. There's one scene where they're in charge of the you know the Catholic schoolgirls. And the schoolgirls are all taking a shower, full nudity, boobs to bush, PG thirteen movie. And I think that that was a British thing, right? That well, it is a British thing, but this was an American rating. Like, like the British don't use the same rating system we do. So when it got ported over to America, if they somebody sat down, looked at, it and said, "Yeah, no, totally PG thirteen. There you go. <laughs> and I'm yeah, I remember my best friend at the time. We we're all we both thought this like how we didn't see the movie at the same time, but years later when we were talking about it, we both remember the same movie. Like, how the fuck was that PG thirteen? That's crazy. Uh, well, so yes, I had to mention that. That that will never not be in my memory for multiple reasons. Ah, uh, sixteen candles. Never saw it. Yeah, no, I was not a Molly Ringwald devotee. I'm not. I'm sorry. John Hughes. Never saw Pretty in Pink either. Okay, is there a movie that? you haven't seen that maybe you've told people that you have seen and you're just harboring a secret? <laughs> um, probably. Let's see. A movie that I, I lie about. I have one. Man. No, I usually come clean. I really, I, I come clean. I, I, I'm i like, yeah, yeah, I never saw it. Sorry. What, what what do you got? Cocktail. You tell people you saw that? <laughs> I love the I song lie Kokomo. About no, I, I never saw it, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know I, Kokomo. Well, I'm not going to pretend I saw the movie. I have a it's it's a long running lie. It it goes way way back. It, it's a there's a reason. I remember back you know in the day you used to rent you know go to the video store and rent a couple movies. Maybe you're like spending the night over at a friend's house. And I remember I'll I'll not use names to protect the guilty, but mm. spending the night over at friend's house with a bunch of other friends, and we rented cocktail and like a horror movie. And somebody uh, microwaved, used the microwave, and they microwaved a fork. They left a fork in there. <laughs> and it was sparking all the hell. So you take a bunch of, like, pre-teenage boys home alone with no parents, and uh, somebody microwaved a fork, and it sparks everywhere. What do you suppose happens next? Um, circle jerk. You know, I didn't think of that, but that is the logical step. No. I mean, that's what, uh, that exact same thing happened to me, and I... We just circle jerked it off and didn't talk about it ever again. So, so I figured that's uh, pretty normal. We found more things to microwave. <laughs> <laughs> and then jerked it. Yeah. So uh, sparky sparky of the microwave. Oh, let's <laughs> find something else that sparks. So we never got to see the movie. And then we were asked, how did you like cocktail? Uh, oh, yeah, it was great. It was good. It was a great movie. So I've never seen it. But I've always had to maintain that I saw it in order to protect. That's a good reason to protect. <laughs> to make to protect the pact you all made with the blood pact. Right. No one will ever know that we nearly burned down the house fifteen times. <laughs> Remember that night we saw a cocktail? Yeah, yeah. That wasn't that the night that your cat ran away? <laughs> yes. No, it that's, was. That's the night that 
we microwaved anything that wasn't nailed down and watched it smoke. That's the <laughs> night that the smoke alarm, the batteries got taken out of the smoke alarm so we could see how terrible we could make this. So, yeah. So your poor friend that probably started off thinking, oh, my God, I'm an idiot, became the hero of the night. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes, let's microwave more things. <laughs> And the parents didn't say, what the fuck's up with my microwave? <laughs> I, As far as I know, it still functioned. It was probably all black on the inside, but it, <laughs> it wasn't my house, so. Yeah, whatever. I know none of us got in trouble, but we, uh, we've we always maintained that we saw the movie Cocktail because that's the one we rented. <laughs> Even all these years later, you live, the, you live the lie. You go to these cocktails, seminars, and cocktail <laughs> appreciation parties, and you just got to smile and nod. Oh, everybody, I think we have it. I think I've got it on DVD, for Christ's sake. I should probably just get it over with and watch it. One night when you had the reunion and and your friend's parents brought out cocktail, because it's like, I remember you guys. (laughs) And you all just looked. Hey, you remember remember that night that you guys rented cocktail and then the microwave was turned black? (laughs) Let's talk about that night. Uh... It wasn't me. I don't know. We were microwaving chicken nuggets. and I am 40 years old and I cannot tell. I cannot tell that I did not see cocktail to his parents. Confession time. <laughs> Confession corner. Oh, yeah. Good times, my youth. I don't think I had a night. I'm trying to think of a night me and my friends got away with shit that we kept secret all those years. I don't know. The worst we ever did was go like ding dong ditching, you know, door to door. Oh, yeah. Run away. Yeah. We, we had like a. It was a fun night. It was my friend's birthday. We went around. We did that in his neighborhood. We did it to a cop that lived in his neighborhood and ran like fucking hell because we, we built each other up. Like, oh, yeah, the cop. Let's do the cop. That's the cherry on top. That's the pinnacle. And then nobody answered the door, but we freaked out. We ran. <laughs> and then you I saw my... And that was... Oh, my God. That was the same night I first saw a pornographic movie for the first time. Whoa. Yeah. What was the name of it? I don't... It was something about college dormitory. It was on... It was <laughs> oh, on shocker. Like, it was on, it was like a European thing though. It was weird. And it was on TV. <laughs> European porno. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It was about a women's dorm and it was all, t- I was like, I remember sitting there looking at it going, oh my. How old God. were you? 11 or 12. Oh, I imagine. Yeah. You, you plop a 12 year old boy in front of a porno. Yeah. And he's going to oh, be thinking. It was the quietest Whoa. room. We were all having fun. <laughs> and also we were watching. It's like, Whoa. And you could pin drop like nobody said a word. Yeah, nobody that's word. that's why you're like. Well, I guess I know what I'm doing for the rest of my life. <laughs> like we all, like everybody's just kind of sitting there. We didn't want to look at each other. Yeah, we I know. Not that sure what's happening? That's we're awkward. just like, wow, oh wow. <laughs> I don't know what's happening to my body. <laughs> we're all having like a profound experience, <laughs> but we could. Yeah, you're not going to look at. Hey, this is pretty cool, right? You're not going to look at each other. I right? know, no, you're just gonna like. I'm not we're sure what's happening. I'm just going to watch. I'm just gonna Don't look at my eyes. It. <laughs> Don't look at me. Don't look at me. I am so shamed. Oh, uh, great. Yeah, imagine that. I've never seen a porno to this day. Yeah, I know, right? You tell everybody you did, but really what you did was blow up a microwave. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We had the opportunity to watch a porn movie, and we were over there microwaving <laughs> frogs and shit. <laughs> Which is its own kind of porn, but... Yeah, I know. That's, that's another podcast. No no animals were harmed in the <laughs> microwaving of metal objects. <laughs> Except yourselves. Well, that's true. We were in, we were the lords of flies. <laughs> it was all it was the jungle, baby. And welcome to it. Mm, parental advisors. <laughs> Do we have anything else to talk about censorship? Ah, or the I, rating I ran system? Out. The yeah. rating system. No, I, I I squeezed my juice right out of there. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess I rang it dry. Guess what I found? What'd you find? I found one of our brackets. 
Oh my god. Yeah. I don't remember which one this is. Uh what was the winner? I'll it's leave it. Zoom. I'll let you be a. I'll let it be a surprise for anybody that's uninitiated. One of the things that we used to do to keep ourselves busy at work when we were mingling with inmates. Um, <laughs> one of the things we used to do is. Uh, one of the things we used to do to spend your tax dollars <laughs> is we would create like uh, brackets, like um, like the NCAA college basketball brackets. Yeah. And instead of sports teams we'd do movies and we'd we'd list movies out and then we'd pit them against each other until we had one winner i just happened to find one it's only one we used to we did, we a did punch. yeah yeah we had objective criteria too we came up we wrote it all down objective criteria of why you know what we had to rate the movies on so even if we had a personal like for one movie if it didn't meet the criteria it didn't win the head-to-head let's see well i'll <clears throat> I'll just give you the sweet 16 here. I won't do the whole thing because it's kind of a, I don't know how we, I think we drew the movies out of a hat. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we, a, we wrote down yeah. movies and put them on slips of paper and then we drew them. So it was kind of luck of the draw where they ended up. Uh, I'll give you the sweet 16. You ready? Goonies okay. versus Forrest Gump, American pie versus full metal jacket. <laughs> so seven, this tells you how random it was. <laughs> seven versus Shawshank Redemption. The Matrix versus The Green Mile, Spaceballs versus Saving Private Ryan, <laughs> Spies Like Us versus Ghostbusters, Fight Club versus Poltergeist, and Back to the Future versus Batman. <laughs> so between Goonies and Forrest Gump, Goonies won. Mm-hmm. And between American Pie and Full Metal Jacket, Full Metal Jacket won. It's a good thing. Between Seven and Shawshank Redemption, it was Shawshank. Between The Matrix and The Green Mile, it was The Green Mile. Between Spaceballs and Saving Private Ryan, yes, Spaceballs won. <laughs> this is going to disappoint you. Between Spies Like Us and Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters won. I know, and I love Spies Like Us. I love Ghostbusters, but I, I really love Spies Like Us. Between Fight Club and Poltergeist, Fight Club won. And between Back to the Future and Batman, Back to the Future won. Mm-hmm. So then we get down to the final four. Between Goonies and Full Metal Jacket, Full Metal Jacket won. Aww. Between Shawshank and Green Mile, Shawshank won. Between yeah. Spaceballs and Ghostbusters, Spaceballs won. And between Fight Club and Back to the Future, Fight Club win. Da, da, da. <clears throat> so then we have Spaceballs versus Fight Club. <laughs> Who do you think won that one? Man, I'm just, I'm just trying to get back into our, our own minds. Like, How do you even compare those two? I don't even remember. But Spaceballs <laughs> wins. All right. In between Full Metal Jacket and Shawshank Redemption, uh, Shawshank. Shawshank, yeah. And so the the final battle, the final showdown is between Spaceballs and Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yes. Oh, and yes. the Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption wins. Because ludicrous speed was not ludicrous enough, apparently. Nope. Oh, man. But there, I mean, I, let me just list. I'll list some of the, the original movies. You ready? American History yeah. X, Slither, Lost Boys, Goonies, The Mummy, Labyrinth, Forrest Gump, Terminator, Gladiator, Eight-Legged Freaks, The Game, <laughs> American See, now, Pie. Wait a minute. We, we compiled this list based on ours and other people's favorite movies, right? We we polled yeah. uh, other officers. We polled inmates. We, we like. How did Eight-Legged Freaks make it on so, like I know that I, wasn't. That Maybe was, that was one of mine. Holy shit. Mannequin, Teen Wolf, Hellraiser, <laughs> 7, Short Circuit 2. Yeah, 2, not 1. Jurassic Park, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Big Lebowski, Star Trek, American Ninja, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> oh my god. Real Genius, that's definitely yours. Yeah, that's I love that fucking movie. I'd rather oh, live man. in that. I'd rather go to school to that school than Hogwarts. Spider-Man 2, Inception, Cool World, Super Troopers, Tron, Clerks, Toy Soldiers, The Saints, Starship Troopers, Fletch, True Romance, Spies Like Us, Superman, 
Pulp Fiction, The Wraith, Ghostbusters, Independence Day, Clash of the Titans, The Crow, Close Encounters, Fight Club, Poltergeist, Dragnet, Romancing the Stone, Predator 2, Ghost in the Darkness, Lost Star, oh, The Last Starfighter, The Exorcist, Back to the Future, Batman, Reservoir Dogs, Zombieland, Simpsons movie. Hmm. That's what we did with our time. This is the mind of correction. This is the brainchild the corrections officers like Cumberland County Jail. <laughs> this, this is a this is the, the the fevered imaginations of what is the pinnacle of culture and sophistication. I guarantee Ooh. when we walked out this night we felt so accomplished. Oh I know. <laughs> we were yes, the definitive winner of all these movies is Shawshank. Shawshank Redemption. And you know deservedly so that is a good movie. How often do you look at a man's shoes? How that's the question. It's always the question. What is it like to be obtuse? <laughs> I don't know, but once in flight school, I was laconic. <laughs> Firefly reference. See? I get to do it once in a while, too. Mm. Oh, my God. I haven't made a Simpsons reference all goddamn night. Well, I still got time. Let's see. We'll find out. Plenty of time. We've got trivia to do. Oh, we do. I'm going right, to do my trivia question from my head. Do you want to do the trivia or your movie one first? We can do the movie one. It's up to you. It's, I don't have a movie one. I have a two-parter uh, quasi-trivia, pseudo-trivia thing. Not two part or two different things. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you the release date of the movie is December 22nd, 1989. Action okay. comedy. Action comedy. Okay. Action comedy, 1989. End of the year, 1989. Almost 1990. Very close. Okay. All right. Let's... Tango and Cash. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my God. Did I get it? Tango and motherfucking Cash. <laughs> oh, I'm a psychic. I am that was best. epic, dude. That was epic. <laughs> Oh, man, I have accomplished something in life right now, I think. I I'm not so... even going to give you any of the clues. I don't need to. Oh, come to. on. You got to do it. You got to do it. Uh, Patrick Swayze was originally cast as Cash. Of course, I wasn't <laughs> going to give you Cash, but he dropped out to star in what movie? Roadhouse? Yep, Roadhouse. Nice. <laughs> You're on fire. I'm a I'm dynamic. Uh, That's a stupid clue. This was one of the last dozen films to be released in the 1980s. Yeah. Not good clues. Hmm. Film's title during production was The Setup. Tango Cash is better. Uh, one of the main characters is never called by his real name, only his nickname. Tango? Tango never calls Cash by his first name, Gabriel. Uh, well, Cash is his last name, though, right? Yeah, but he never calls him by his first name. Right, but it's not called by a nickname, technically. Technically speaking. It's uh, in, not know. technically speaking. Anyway. Um, this is an interesting trivia bit. The first film in which Sylvester Stallone stars as a policeman who was framed for a crime he didn't commit. The first of many? First of three. Oh, okay. He was also in Demolition Man and Judge... What was the third one? Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd. I was going to give you the actors. It's Rob Schneider years. I was going to give you the actors, and I'm almost certain you would have gotten him. But you didn't even need him. You got it right out the fucking gate. 1989... You know your 1989 movies, apparently. Apparently, yeah. And I was just, I was, you know what's weird? I almost said Turner and Hooch. Because <laughs> well, that's what I was like, no, that's not it. I, mean, I, I was thinking, gosh, I almost said Turner and Hooch. I would have said you're very close. Yeah. <laughs> and then you would have started naming Tom Hanks movies. No, I started naming Dog and Police movies. Like K-9. I don't know. Yeah, K9 is the only other one I know. And that's it. Yeah. No, that's it. <laughs> hmm. uh, so I, gotta, I, I definitely got to cut up with one of these next week so you can, you can do the same thing. So what do you want to do about trivia? You want me to go okay, because mine's mine's less interactive. I'll I'll do my first thing. Okay. Mine is okay. So this is trivia in that I'm asking you a question, but it's a little more of a logic problem, or well, I'll even say it, a math problem. Oh God! But you might know. You might already know this, so I'll I'll just put it out there. But I I found this. I I stumbled across this recently. 
and I've always found this fascinating as hell. So here it is. You ever hear of the Monty Hall problem? Yes. Do you know the solution? Yes. Okay, well, I'm going to lay it out for you. For the listening audience. <laughs> for the Anyways, listening audience. Okay. Yes. So Monty Hall is the game show host from Let's Make a Deal. He had a whole... Just recently shtick. died. Yeah, actually, you're right. So he had this whole shtick where you do your thing, and then he would have <clears throat> door number one, door number two, door number three. Behind one of those doors was a car, and beyond... Behind the other two was a goat, I think it was. So he'd say, you choose. Do you want to choose door number one, door number two, door number three? So let's say I pick door number three. What he would do was not reveal the answer right away. He would say, okay, between door number one and door number two, I'm going to open one of them and see what's behind it. And he would open one and it'd be the goat. They'd say, okay, let's say he opened door number one and it was the goat. So, okay, you have, you pick door number three. Do you want to change your answer? Do you want to change it from number three to number two? You always so change. Question. Yeah, that's a question. Oh, I'm do sorry. You change? Well, yeah, but that's a question. Do you change? Do you stay? Or does it not even matter? And you say always change. Always change. Statistically speaking, you always change. You, that's exactly right. So for people listening right now, and you're not sure why, think about this. Why? What? what you're, you're probably thinking one thing. So do you know the reason? You, Tom, with him. Do you know the reason why you always change? It has something to do with the fact that the other door was open to reveal the fact that you you did not choose the goat. Yeah, it's... It's pure numbers. So you've got to look at people always say, and I guess reading about this, even math professors have gotten this wrong because you're sitting there, you go, okay, I got door number three, door number two. I got a 50-50 shot. I could change. I can stay. It doesn't matter. Most people actually say stay because they feel like, well, it shows weakness if I change my mind or something right. like that. But you always, always want to change because you're looking at it the wrong way. You're looking at it 50-50 is not right because you think if you look at 50-50, you're looking at it as a new game and it's not a new game. It's just a continuation of the old game. So the old game is you choose, you have one of three choices. That means you have a rough, roughly 33.3% chance of getting it right. You have a 66.6% chance of getting it wrong. That never changes. You always have, you're more likely to have gotten it wrong. So when he chooses one of the doors to open, he's never going to choose the one with the car. So you know that you now, between the two doors you didn't pick, you had a 66% chance of getting it wrong. Or a 66% chance of that being one of those two doors. He eliminates one of those doors. That means the door that's left, the door you didn't choose, is still 66.6% chance of being the right door. So sticking with the door you want, you only have a 33.3% chance of getting it. Switching to the other door, you have a 66.3, 6, uh, 66.6% chance of getting it right. Always, always switch the doors. They've you can go there's a website, you could Google it and find it, where they have computer models where they set it up. You switch, and you'll find that twice as often you'll get the prize by switching. Yes. Like this, this bears out in real world. You always want to switch. I found that the, the movie Twenty One goes through this really briefly with Kevin Spacey, but uh, yes, I found this the most fascinating thing in the world. I thought it was great. So yes, you get the question right. Congratulations! Yay! You win the riddle. Woo-hoo. Tango and cash. <laughs> so we're both winners. So that was the logic problem. That was the logic problem. Yes. Okay. So you got a trivia. Yes. And then I got what's not technically a trivia, but I'm just going to put it out there. So hit me with yours. Uh, Walt Disney, the company, Walt Disney, Mm -hmm. has two theme parks in the United States. Okay. Disney World and Disneyland. Part one of the question is, do you know what distinguishes Disney World from Disneyland? What icon distinguishes the two parks? Um, The Epcot Center? No. Epcot Center is... Okay. So there is Disney World... The Magic Kingdom and mm-hmm. Disneyland. Disney World is in Florida. Disneyland is in California. Right. There is something in each of those parks 
that designates Disney World from Disneyland. Do you know what that is? Yeah. <laughs> Think Disney World. Like what the castle? What, and the yes. Logo? Okay. Each park has a distinctive castle. Okay. Designates Disney World Magic Kingdom from Disneyland. It's not the same castle. Okay. Do you know whose castle is in Disney World? Uh, Cinderella. Yes. Wow. Hey. Here's the question. Okay. Whose castle is in Disneyland? It's got to be Snow White. Nope. Snow White didn't have a castle. Oh, shit. She lived wow. with a bunch of dwarves in the woods. She married a prince at the end. There's an implied castle. She ran from a castle, didn't she? Im- implied castle. Implied castle. Okay, she but it's lived not, in a if it's hut. not Snow White, it's not Cinderella. It's got to be Sleeping Beauty. Yes! Okay. What's Sleeping Beauty's name? Uh, Briar Rose. No, that's the name that the, the witches, not the witches, the fairy godmothers gave her a fake name, Briar Rose. Oh. What's her real name? Uh, By the way, I'm stunned that you know Briar Rose. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know How the from fuck a do you know actually. Briar Rose? How do you know it's Briar from, Rose? It's from a comic book. It's from Fables, the comic book series. Yeah, it's actually a really good comic book series, but it's about all the myths and legends of Disney and everything. Like Everything is like real. And do you own them? Yeah, most of them. How much would you sell them for? Depends on how much someone will give me. I will give you one like on Facebook. <gasps> that's pure gold. <laughs> In this day and age, that's that dopamine dump of being liked. Uh, oh my god! Somebody likes something of fine on Facebook. Woo! No, it's actually Princess starts with an A. Angelica. No. Uh, Artus- Artisno. I will give you a hint. Think Northern Lights. Aurora Borealis. Well, it's just Aurora. Princess ah. Aurora. Fine. Wow, you got you got most of that. That is impressive. <laughs> That's mightily impressive. You got it. Led me by the hand through the primrose path there, but I... Uh, That's yeah, fine. Okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Disneyland is Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. And uh, Disney World Magic Kingdom is Cinderella. Because I just, I feel like I remember seeing a lot of Disney World pictures of the blue dress Cinderella in front of the castle. Yes. I don't know why. Okay. That's her castle. I've seen Cinderella in her castle. Nice. Like literally at the Magic Kingdom, I saw Cinderella right there. She was waving to me, just me. And you're like, she was not, yeah. She was up on the top turret. <laughs> waving to just me. I mean, all the other people in the crowd were stunned that she was waving to just me. She wasn't waving to any she of the other like, people. Ditch the kids, Tom. Store my ramparts. <laughs> oh, she wanted her draw- ramparts. Put down the drawbridge. Oh. <laughs> okay, you have a trivia question? Okay, so this is a... It's not really a trivia question, but it's a question. Who do you think is the greatest hero that humankind has ever produced? You mean in real life or in like... Real life. In real, like fiction. a real living person. The real, a real living person's, and a hero? The greatest, and I, and I, I maintain. The that greatest American actually, hero? Yes. No, Bobby not better. George isn't at home. <laughs> That's good. Uh, no, like a real living, like historical figure, a person that was alive, or could still be alive, maybe. But I, I maintain that there's actually an objective answer to this question. Okay. Well, let me think about people that have done good deeds. Their a cheap. hero. A hero has not all heroes wear capes. That's true. Uh, and there's an objective answer to this. See, this is my opinion, but my opinion is that there's an objective. So my subjective opinion is that there's an objective answer. But your opinion's always right. So yeah, that's true. Uh, let's see. I wouldn't have it if I didn't. Think- I am going to say, who's the guy that like invented vaccines? Jonas Salk. I'd say he's a hero. He's probably a hero. But now this goes to the definition of hero. Like to me, a hero is somebody that puts themselves at risk to do the right thing. 
not necessarily accomplishes something, but puts themselves at risk of sacrificing something or something like that to do the right thing. Um, so that's what I'm now. I'm, I'm hedging around. Care, uh... I'm more. I'm more asking your opinion than trying to get to to the right answers. Because not to be all elitist, but I, I'm guessing you're probably not thinking. Of, wouldn't guess the person I'm thinking. Well, I'm thinking. Um, it's more rhetorical than Marie. Who's the chick that invented the X-ray or radio? Uh, Marie Curie discovered Curie, radio. Yeah. She totally and completely risked everything. Yeah, she could be it. Like ended up killing her. Yeah. Um, I'm really curious as to what you're thinking because I don't see people necessarily as heroes that aren't like totally and completely sacrificing themselves. Maybe even like Medal of Honor winners and stuff like I like those are heroes. Uh, well, this is a guy, a guy who did not necessarily. He could have potentially set because because of the setting in which he did what he did there's a potential for actual bodily harm if not being in prison for his life or something like that nelson mandela uh no but what he accomplished because he did the right thing and because he oh uh barack obama there you go <laughs> save the world uh, <laughs> uh politically um no this i guy hope everybody actually, oh go this guy actually almost definitely save the human race entirely save the human race okay now that you say that i think we've had this conversation before we might have sounds very familiar who is i'll just i'll just come out with it this this is guy that for everybody listening you probably never heard of his name is uh stanislav petrov he's a stanis damn it stan stanislav petrov he saved the human race from nuclear annihilation oh this is the russian dude that didn't listen to yeah like all the instruments were telling him they were incoming nuclear missiles and he was like nah this equipment shit i know it's not working it's not real with like within our lifetime you and me could have been nuked as little kids and we didn't even know it just let's see what it was december december september 26 1983 he was um stanislav petrov came from like a scientific background was put in charge of this russian like monitoring system he got this um what does it say here i got i got something here um his screen he was in charge of it his screen flash start which was a signal for a missile a nuclear missiles being launched from the united states by this is the soviet union we're talking about which was you don't go against what the upper brass is telling you what to do by policy by the law he was supposed to send it up the chain of command that we are being attacked from the United States. Like it's on like, and this is 1983 when tensions are like super high, like we're being nuked. It's happening. But he looked at it. He thought, okay, in every scenario we've ever run in our heads, the United States isn't going to just send one missile at us. That's stupid. So he called, what did he do? He called, he reported it's a, it's a malfunction. It's a failure in the system. Stand down. Don't do anything. Right. And the, and he said, because if something is going to happen, if there's going to be a third missile, a fourth missile, a fifth missile. And then what happened five minutes later? The system reported a third missile, a fourth. Like the system reported <laughs> exactly what he thought would what should happen in real life. And he, he describes it. Usually he's like, I froze. So I didn't know what to do. I was like facing Armageddon because now the definitive proof was in my face that, holy shit, the United States is starting World War Three. It's happening. And he still got on that phone and said, no. Fuck no, it's a malfunction. It is a total malfunction. Don't launch any missiles. Wow. If he had done his job, like like I said, in the face of KGB breathing down his neck, telling him, this is what you have to do if this happens, we would all be fucking dead because the, they had 12 minutes to decide. That's what it says here. The high brass had 12 minutes to decide. 
And if he had done his job and said, we're lot la- they're launching on us, the brass was like, well, fuck it. Here we go. Boom, 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 boom. And we would all have been like fucking crispy critters, all nuked. Well, we had those satellites shooting lasers. <laughs> yeah, we had Star Wars. But what it ended up being, like it was, it was a total malfunction. They said the satellites, the Russian satellites have been fooled by the sun's rays reflecting off clouds over North Dakota where there were silos. So it was it was a stupid malfunction, stupid glitch that almost caused World War Three, and we were all going to be dead. He's a straight up hero. And yeah, and he lived most of his life. Like once the Soviet Union fell, a bunch of stuff got declassified and what he did got declassified. And people were like, oh my God, this guy's like the single greatest person humanity's ever produced. And they gave him like, they brought him to America. They gave him tours. He was living life pretty good, but he died um, on May 19th. We did, he died and it wasn't even released. Like he died in Russia and we didn't find out until September that he died. And he died alone in an apartment living off a pension that was it that's sad yeah that's messed up like like this the most important person to ever live just kind of died ignominiously alone in his apartment like we all will yeah no everybody dies alone <laughs> not me i'm taking y'all with me that's a donna darko reference so i did do a simpsons reference but i did donna darko you reference. got you got uh you got something in there i got i got one thing in there okay i'll do a simpsons reference Ooh, a gary larson calendar i don't get it oh you know what this I is something i wanted to talk about I don't get it. And then he walks out of a silo and everybody's nuked. Boom. Got it. <laughs> or not a silo, a, a bomb shelter. Uh, who the fuck is reading Mark Trail? <laughs> the same people that read um, uh, Bassett Hound. Fred Bassett. The same drooling on themselves, <laughs> missing a chromosome, retards. Who's who's reading Mark Trail? I don't, I don't understand. Who it. is? Who is that for? Well, did you ever read Apartment 3G back in the day? No, I don't think so. The same post. Maybe that was a regional thing because it was a Detroit thing. Apartment 3G was in every fucking comic page. It was it was the same Mark Trail thing. Stupid bit by bit drama soap opera crap. I I don't understand it. I don't get it. Like although I will say I don't get Mark Trail, but that still makes more sense to me than Fred Bassett because fuck Fred Bassett. Fred Bassett. I honest to God, like I I was looking at the comics page the other day, and I guess it just goes to show how long it's been since I've <laughs> read the comics. Uh, first of all, that piece of shit that took over for the far side. I can't oh, remember yeah, the name yeah, of it. Yeah. I can't was remember the, the name of it. Coast or, no, or not no. Or something. no, no, it's, uh, I don't know. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. Like one in a thousand of them are funny. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know. They're all bad. Garfield is honestly, like if you're over 10 years old, Garfield is one of the stupidest. <sighs> it was bad. <laughs> I was having a bad day looking at the comics page. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that there were two. Yeah, maybe this is telling. There were two comics that were actually entertaining to me. What's that? One of them is Adam at Home. See, yeah, I actually don't mind that one. Um, and then there's another one. It's the grandmother and grandfather. Pickles? Is it Pickles? I think it might be Pickles. Where the little kids always in their house or something? Yeah, the little kids always in the house. And it's the grandfather's deaf and senile or whatever. Right. And the grandmother's bitchy and always right. See, that one's not... I for a long time I liked Pearls Before Swine, but it started hitting the exact same note every yeah. time. Like he breaks the fourth times. wall on every single comic. That's like yeah, that's every comic. He, that's all he's got left now is breaking the fourth wall, and making fun of himself. Yeah, but I, like I was reading Blondie, <laughs> and bad. Just see now, I will say not Blondie even worth a chuckle. Mildly entertaining for a for way longer than it should. Like that. That's a god. What, what was a it? Thirty year old comic. What was it? Blondie. Yeah, I don't find Blondie to be humorous. Big Nate, that's okay. Eh, eh. Beetle Bailey. Eh, nah. My grandpa used to love Beetle Bailey. 
He said Beetle Bailey stuff all over his refrigerator. That's great. Yeah, I mean, as far as being like a comfort a comfort thing, knowing that Beetle Bailey's always going to be there, <laughs> like peanuts, peanuts. You just oh, that's okay. a traditional thing. Yeah, it, it's a reminder that of of your youth or you know. But the jokes are bad. I mean, yeah, they're no Bloom County. Bloom <laughs> County was the pinnacle. You're never going to get back to that. Yeah, I guess we talked about this before. The far side yeah, is far side Bloom County. Calvin and, and Hobbes. Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, yeah, and then. Uh, Doonesbury, right? You loved Doonesbury, didn't you? Doonesbury was good. I, there was, I think that when it was really popular, it was the politics were a little bit over my head, maybe. Well, I was, I was actually kind of setting you up because, man, everybody I know hates Doonesbury with a passion. <laughs> no, I, I think that there were, it, you know, Doonesbury was pretty political. Oh yeah, in the mid eighties. But well, I, I just my personal thing is fuck Gary Trudeau because after what was it, the Charlie Hebdo terrorist attack. He did like a talk where he said something like, well, maybe we should, there should be laws against, you know, insulting religions. Like maybe free speech shouldn't be all that absolute. And, you know, if it's going to insult the religion, there maybe like he was advocating censorship. Really? Yeah, censorship. Yeah. Yeah. Gary Trudeau went up there and started saying, yeah, maybe we should like censor people that try to make fun of a religion. And I'm like, fuck you, Gary Trudeau. Fuck you right in the ear, man. Yeah. So yeah, fuck Gary Trudeau. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to go. All right. And I'm not gonna go as as exhausted as I was last time, even though it is 3 a.m. Winter. So what are you what are you going out as? What do you got? This is Stannis Petla Petrov <laughs> saying Oak Nuggins. Oak Nuggins. Well, I guess I'm Bob Sugarwall Scully. <laughs> saying keep it gritty. Oh, keep that gritty. Keep it gritty. Get me in your money melt. Get me in your money melt. All right. See you later. Bye bye.